0: I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump right into the sermon. Again, we're in John chapter 8, starting at verse 12. If you have it, say amen. If you need more time, tell me to hold on. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. And the word of the Lord reads as follows. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true for I know where I come from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. I just read John chapter eight, verses 12 through 20, and the word of the Lord is blessed. Let us go before the throne of grace. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before your presence in humble awe of your glory, God. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Lord, it's because of your mercies that we were not consumed on this morning because of the sins that we committed yesterday and the day before that. It's because of your goodness, God, that we, Lord, were able to get in our cars on today and drive to this sanctuary and gather together and worship you without any incident or accident, God. It's because of your love, God, that we are standing here today, and for that, we give you thanks. And Lord, I pray that as we go forward today in this sermon, Lord, that you shed light in our hearts. You open our eyes, that you unstop our ears, Lord, and that you give us the ability, Lord, to get up and not just walk, but run out into the world to tell them about our Messiah, our Lord, our King, our Savior, Jesus. And Lord, we will be forever grateful. We will forever praise your name, Lord, and we will forever honor you. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Let everyone say amen. amen. Again, we will be continuing in our John series, talking about Today's sermon, which is titled, Follow the Light. Again, the sermon is titled, Follow the Light. Amen. And as I struggle with this technology to get it open, we're going to jump right into it. How many are excited about the Lord on today? Oh, oh. I see one person is excited. All right, there we go. All right. Again, our sermon today is titled, Follow the Light. So we see in our text today that Jesus proclaimed to be the light of the world. And the main point I want to leave with you today is that to be delivered from darkness. We must follow Jesus, the light of the world. Amen? So what if you woke up one day? What if you woke up one day after getting some good rest in and you open your eyes and all you saw was darkness? You couldn't see where you were. You didn't. You, you were disoriented. You couldn't tell what direction you were standing. You couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. What would you do? How would you respond? Well, most of us, our first response would be to what? To to go for the light switch, right? But you're in total darkness. You can't see where anything is. And so you have to feel your way around and crawl through what should be a familiar area, right? It's your room, right? You should know where everything is. But darkness kind of changes everything, right? Changes your perception. You're not really able to see Clearly in the darkness, you, you're not able to see it all. But what if you realized that you were blind and even when you turn the light switch on, you still couldn't see? Wow. What if you realized you were deaf and you couldn't hear what's going on? You couldn't even hear your own voice. And so you feel your way around and you try to find your way. In our text today, Jesus is in the temple during the Passover feast teaching. He proclaims before the people and the religious leaders of the Jews that he is the light of the world. This proclamation would, in their minds, bring up pictures of what they read about daily in their Bible, about how God when he delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh, when he called Moses to be their deliverer, how God was a pillar of fire and led them through the wilderness at night. It would evoke images of all the scriptures in the Bible that talks about God being a light and and dispelling the darkness and leading his people. And so the leaders understood what he was saying when he made this proclamation. And so... Jesus, God is our God, but we have a huge problem in this world, right? This world is dark. This world is full of darkness. And uh, not only is the world full of darkness, but our hearts are full of darkness. And we're blind and we're deaf. We're born into this world blind and deaf spiritually, and we can't see or hear or know our way around this world When Adam and Eve decided to disobey God, our connection to the light was broken. Now we're guided by our own principles. Now we're guided by our own lust and our own desires. And if you are familiar with the Old Testament, you'll see where that led to. It got so bad that God had to plunge the whole world with water, just cleanse everything. He only saved one family. And so we have a huge problem in the world. This world is dark. People's hearts are dark. And according to Scripture, not only that, but we love the darkness, right? The Scripture tells us that Jesus came into the world as the light, but men kind of shied away from that. Why? Because they love darkness. Why did they love darkness? Because our deeds are evil. And what does darkness do? It hides things, right? You know, when you have company over and you get that unexpected company and you ain't quite cleaned up yet, you throw everything in that back room and turn the light off, so can't nobody see you in there? You know, you hiding, hiding things. And that's why we love darkness, because it hides our wicked deeds, or so we think, right? And so Jesus proclaims that he's the light of the world. How many of you have ever been in a cave or in a mine? Probably not too many of you, right? I've had the I had the privilege of experience experience in a cave, right? You got this young dude from the hood going into a cave. Well, hey, I ain't never been in a cave. What's going on? You know what? What are we about to do? And so they so they they took our class and we went to go visit a cave. And they took us down into this cave, and we all had to have on helmets with lights. We had to have flashlights. Why? Because there's no natural light in the cave, right? And the same goes for mine. And so they took us to this big cavern in the middle of the cave, and they told everybody to turn their lights off. I've never seen a darkness that dark before. No light, no stars, no moon, no street lamps, nothing. You couldn't even see the person standing next to you. Spiritually, that's how it is in the world that we live in. Because we've disconnected ourselves from God, who is the light of the world, now we live in spiritual darkness. It's like being in that cave with no light, not being able to see, not being able to understand what's going on spiritually. We're spiritually dead, separated from God, the Father of lights. How can we be delivered from this horrible state? And we see it daily. Every time we turn on our news, what do we see? Darkness. Every time we scroll down our Facebook feed, what do we see? Darkness. Darkness. How how can we be delivered from this state? Again, I want to point you back to the main point. To be delivered from darkness, we must follow Jesus The light of the world. And so my first point is pretty obvious in the text is that Jesus is the light of the world. What does that mean? What does that mean that he's the light of the world? Well, let's go back a couple of chapters and look at John chapter 1. John tells John gives us a clue into what Jesus means by that because he's been saying it all through John. That's one of John's themes in this book is that he uses light a lot to describe God and to describe the Messiah. It says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. Listen, and life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He's the light, He's the light of life, and without Him, the life that we experience is darkness. When you think about a cave, and if you were able to experience what I experienced, you would think, man, can, nothing can live down here. Nothing can survive down here. There's no light. You can't see anything. But then you check out National Geographic and you begin to read and you see that there's an ecosystem even in a cave. But then you find out that most of the animals are blind. They have no reason for eyesight. There's no, there's no natural light they can't see. And that describes us. We live in the darkness spiritually. We have no need for spiritual eyesight, so we're blind. And what do we do as being? We try to adapt to this darkness. Because we can't we can't find the light switch. We can't find the light. So what do we do? We adapt to it. That's why the Bible says that we love the darkness because we're able to hide our deeds. Or so we think. And so the first point tells us that Jesus is the light of the world. He says, "I am the light of the world, and all who follow me won't have to walk in darkness, but they'll have the light of life." And How do we know that Jesus is the light of the world? First, we know that He's the Living Word. And back in John 1, He talked. He calls Jesus the Word of God. He's the Living Word. Okay, what significance does that have? In Psalm 119, verse 105. The psalmist says, thy word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. How many of you guys ever drove through the country before? I know Willie's from down south. He probably will know what I'm talking about. You drive through a country area. There's no street lamps. There's no light anywhere. It's just darkness all around you. And so you you on the windshield like this relying on your headlamps because you can't really see anything. But what happens if you go too fast, right? You outdrive your lights, right? And you begin not to see. They tell you not to drive faster than your light can shine because if you do, you won't see what's ahead of you. And the psalmist tells us that the word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. So God didn't leave us without a light. He gave us his word, right? But again, we have a problem because we like darkness. I, mean, I can't remember who said this, but it was quoted that the reason that men don't get into their word is because they don't want the light of God to shine their evil deeds, right? I I, I, I worked in, in the food and beverage industry, right? And everything had to be spotless, Anybody who's ever worked for a restaurant or worked for a food company knows that pretty much everything is stainless steel. Everything has to be clean. And so, and if you also worked in the food company, you know there's a way to make everything look clean, right? You know, just shine, polish the outside of the refrigerator, polish the top of the counter, polish the legs. But when they do that inspection, right, they ain't looking at that. They come in with a flashlight. They going under stuff. They going into the cracks and crevices. They open the refrigerator. They looking into the cracks and crevices. That's what the word of God does. You see, we try to polish the outside with some fancy clothes. You know, a degree. We try to get our shine on, right? Hey, I got six figures in my bank account, bro. I'm good. I'm shining. Yeah. I look good, bro. I'm driving a brand new 2009, 2020. I ain't even seen this yet. Corvette. What you know about that? And we try to get our shine on, right? And we look good and everybody want to be like us and emulate us and we have popularity and fame. Oh, but when we open the word of God, the light of God, and it begins to shine the light into the cracks and crevices of our life points out, that we don't love our brother, it points out that we lust after things, it points out all the stuff that we do in the dark, the word of God is a lamp, and if you ain't in your word, then my question to you is, what are you trying to hide, right? What are you trying to hide? And so we know that Jesus is the light of the world because he's the word, he's the living word of God. We also know he's the light of the world because Jesus is true. It tells us that in John 1 that he's full of grace and truth, right? When the Bible talks about light, it talks about truth. When you know the truth, the light, come on. They talked about, you know, how they have the emoji with the light bulb and the lights come on. When you realize the truth, the light bulb come on. And Jesus is the truth. Light allows us to know, see, and live the truth. Jesus's life is that light. The gospel is the light that sets us free from the confines of this world's darkness. Jesus is the truth. He's the light which lights everything. What do you think would happen if the sun were to go out? Complete darkness. It would be freezing because we don't have any heat. The whole solar system would fall apart because the gravitational pull from the sun is what keeps everything together. That's who Jesus is. He's the center of the universe. He's the light by which everything else moves. Breeze lives, and have its being. And when we try to remove the sun from our life, what happens? Chaos. Yeah. We try to polish the outside, but there's still chaos in our hearts. We stunt, before, we stunt in front of everybody, but we going home turning up a bottle because we depressed. Preach, man. We stunt in front of everybody, but we going home doing lines because of all the issues that's in our life. We turn to all these different things, pornography, sex, all of money, all of these things that we turn to to try to soothe the darkness that's in our hearts. We need the sun, S O N, to bring balance and order to our lives, to light our pathways. Jesus is that light. Point number two, light exposes what darkness hides. You see in the text, the religious leaders couldn't accept, they couldn't accept his testimony because they were still in darkness. It's sad to say, but even our religion or morality is covered in darkness without Christ. You might... You might think to yourself, how is it that a man could come to church every day and hear the gospel, hear the truth preached, and still live a raggedy life because he's hiding in darkness behind religion? Just like the religious leaders of that day. Jesus said that, yeah, you tithe mint, you tithe cumin. You know, you use a little strainer for your cups to make sure there's no gnats in there because gnats were considered unclean, and if they were to drink a gnat, they wouldn't be able to serve in the temple. But he say, but he said, you forget about the weightier matters of the law—mercy, justice, truth. They were robbing people, robbing people blind. That's how they were rich. The Bible says that they had, a, they made up a man-made law called Corban, right? And so, when you consider something Corbin, that means that no one else could touch it. It's for God. So, if your mother were to come up to you and say, Son, I'm kind of late on the rent. I know your bank account's stacked. Let me get something. Oh, that's Corbin. That's set aside for God. That's how they were, they were wicked. And they, they made sure that they put weights on men that they can barely carry, but Jesus said they wouldn't lift it with their finger. That's how religious leaders are. They give you all these rules and all these weights, but they can't keep them themselves. If you scan their lives, you'll find out the truth. The Bible says that you'll know a tree by its fruit. So we can't, we, we, we try to hide behind religion and morality. But the light exposes that. And every time Jesus came into the temple to preach, he exposed them. And they didn't like that. So they they had to try to come up with a way to get rid of this light. And that's how we are. We're like cockroaches, right? How many of you have ever been to... A person's house, I mean, I know none of y'all have roaches, right? We, we all good in here, but somebody else's house, right? And, and you go turn on the lights, what the roaches do? They scatter, right? That's what we do. When the light comes on, when we hear the truth of God, when we hear the gospel preached and it pierces our hearts, we scatter because we don't want our darkness uncovered. We don't want our deeds uncovered. We don't want our sins to be revealed because we love them. We sit, I don't know if any of you are familiar with Lord of the Rings, but Gollum. Gollum was actually a hobbit. Gollum was a hobbit. His name was Smeagol. But because he fell in love with that ring, he sat in darkness. His whole appearance changed. And because he was in darkness, he didn't care. But when he came back around the other hobbits, they can see that... He was messed up, and so when we sit under the gospel, when we sit under the truth of God's word, it reveals our hearts, and we get to checking behind us and make sure. Hey, man, they they ain't see that, did they? They didn't see that hatred in my heart, did they? They didn't see that lust in my heart, did they? They didn't see that unforgiveness, that grudge in my heart, did they? The light. Exposes what the darkness hides and the religious leaders couldn't accept or comprehend that darkness closes our eyes to the truth Darkness closes our eyes to the truth because we can't see We can't see what's in front of us. We can't see what's going on. So spiritually we're blind So what do we do Romans 1 talks about it we we exchange the truth of God for a lie and we make idols You say, well, pastor, preacher, I don't have any statuettes in my home. I don't bow down to anything. You bow down to your phones every day. You bow down to your job every day. You bow down to money every day. You bow down to your appearance, the pride of life. We make all of these things idols, but the number one idol that the Bible talks about is us. We make ourselves an idol. Well, God, I hear what you're saying, but... I'm tired, so I ain't gonna do that. Or, God, that's outside of my comfort zone. How many? That's not familiar to anybody. That's outside of my comfort zone, God. So I ain't gonna do that. We make ourselves an idol. We make ourselves our own God, like we created ourselves, and like we have the right to determine where we go, where we sit, and where we stand. We belong to Him. The Bible says that He bought us with a price. We belong to him. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. We belong to him. So how dare we make ourselves an idol? How dare we worship ourselves? The Bible says that everything in the universe is held together by the word of his power. All he has to do is speak one word and you're gone. You're like the Thanos snap. Just start disappearing. It's the truth. All he has to do is speak one word and you're done for. When he spoke, he just didn't speak to create, but he speaks to sustain. If you really think about that, man, it boggles my mind. How would you feel if you invited a family member or a friend to come into your house, you went through the guidelines and the rules with them and they just straight up told you to your face, man, I ain't following that. I'm going to do what I want to do in your house, right? This is your house. You pay the rent, you pay the bills, but they come in rent free and say, I'm going to do what I want to do. That's what we do to God. This world is his. This universe is his. Our bodies are his. The breath in our bodies is his. But we look God in the face and say, no, no to the one who walked on the water. No to the one who spoke to the storm and stopped it. No to the one who can speak to demons and send them back to hell. How dare we say no to him? But God still sustains us. If that was a family member, psh, get out of here. I'll be flying out the house like DJ Jazzy Jeff on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. God. God. But God yet sustains us. That speaks to his level of mercy and love for humans. 2 Corinthians 4 says, 4 and 3 says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's another problem. We got Satan and his greatest trick is getting people to believe that he doesn't even exist. Guess what? How many of you have been to a play or a stage play or something like that, right? And you may not have seen it or you may not know it, but they have what are called stage hands. And stage hands, what they do, they normally dress in all black, right? And they're in the background, so you can't see them, right? That's how Satan is. That's his biggest deception is that he gets us to believe that he doesn't exist and he doesn't have any power. And so he blinds the eyes of people in this world to the truth of the gospel. And because they're in darkness, they don't know any better because they're blind. They don't have the light. That's why, saints, it is important for us to be light in this world. It is important for us to allow the glory of Christ to shine through us because they don't have any light They are perishing because the God of this age, which is Satan, has blinded their minds to the truth. But remember, we don't love the truth, right? And so we just go with it. We are utterly helpless. When you really understand the truth of the situation, we are utterly helpless, guys. We are utterly helpless. And we are at the mercy of God because of darkness but he sent the light the light of jesus puts all things in proper perspective both now in the lives of his followers and future when he returns to renew the world and everything in it jesus remember is like the sun and what does the sun do it lights everything right Jesus is that light, and when you have that light in your life, then you begin to see things for the the way they really are. You're not blinded by the enemy no more. You, You can't be swayed by Facebook posts. You can't be swayed by political pundits. You can't be swayed by a political party. You can't be swayed by money. You can't be swayed by any of those things because you see them in their true light. You see them for what they really are suffering, world issues, all of these things are put into their proper perspective when you have the light of Christ guiding your life. Why is it that people fall trapped to money? Why is it that people fall prey to drugs and alcoholism and all of these other things that lead people astray is because they're in darkness and they have no light. They don't know the truth. They don't know what these things are really doing to them. If you knew, if you were able to see in the spirit realm what these things did to you and your connection with God, you would be utterly disgusted. That's why the Bible says that God hates sin. It stinks in his nostrils. You ever been to somebody's house who had a a diaper in the trash can for just a little bit too long? You you can't sit in there, right? It's like, man, I got to get out of here, dude. You tripping, you need to get that trash out of here. That's what our sin is like to God. It stinks in his nostrils, but we love it because we're in darkness. We're deaf and blind and we don't know better. And so Jesus comes as the light of the world to reveal the truth. The Bible tells us that only those who want to be exposed come into the light. You know, if if there was no light, no light anywhere, I can do anything to myself or anything to you that I wanted, and you wouldn't probably be able to defend yourself because you wouldn't be able to see, right? You wouldn't be able to judge me because you wouldn't be able to see what I was doing. That's what darkness does to us spiritually. We do these things in secret in our houses and behind closed doors, and because we're in darkness, we don't see the effect that it has on our life, and we don't see the effect that it has on our relationship with the Lord. Remember, Jesus said that those who follow him, the key point is that you have to follow him, right? See, we, we come to church and we get baptized and we shake the preacher's hand and we come to a Bible study every now and again, and we good. If you're not following Christ, you're in darkness. Jesus said, if you desire to follow after me, you must first deny yourself. Ooh, that's a word we don't want to hear, right? We're grown. I can have my way. I run this. This is my house. This is my car. This is my job. This is my degree right? We're grown, right? But when we follow Christ, you have to deny yourself. You have to pick up your cross and follow him. You'll find that in Matthew 16, verse 24. He says, if any man wants to follow after me, you must first deny yourself. That means you have no rights. You have no rights to claim your life. You have no rights to anything that the Lord has blessed you with. You understand that all of these things are from God and you serve him with an open hand. You serve him with an open hand and you're just like Job. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord, whether you give it to me or whether you take it, I'm still going to serve you. I'm still going to love you. I'm not going to get an attitude, Lord. I'm not going to take my toys home and quit because I know that you control all things and you love me and you have my best interest in heart. So if you take away those creature comforts, if you take away that brand new car, if my house burns down, if you kill my family, if you allow my family to be killed, Lord, I'll still serve you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When the lights come on, all those things are put in their proper place and in proper perspective. And we don't worship those things anymore because we know that those are just tools that the Lord can give and take away, but it's all to be used for his glory, even suffering. Peter said, don't think it's strange when the fiery trials come to test you as some strange thing has happened to you. See, those who have the lights turned on when they go through suffering, okay, Lord, let's go. It's like going into the gym. You know, when you get up, you dread it. Oh, gotta go see this treadmill gotta go pick up these weights, gotta go sweat, I'm gonna be hurting. But when you begin to see the transformation and your body starts to tighten up and you begin to shed the pounds, you get amped up like, okay, I'm ready, let's go. When the lights come on and the suffering comes, you like, okay, ready, set, go, let's go, Lord. Make me better, grow me, grow my patience, grow my love for my brother. Grow my attitude of service to you. The Bible says that suffering comes to test us and try us and to build our strength in the Lord, to build our patience. All of these things. And so when the lights come on, we see that in its proper perspective. And my third and last point because as Jesus was testifying to them, they said to him, Where is your Father? Uh Uh-oh, they gave themselves up there. They put it all out in the open for them to see. You see, they didn't know that the light was there. He was exposing everything in their hearts. He was exposing them. They said, where is your father? If they really knew God, if they really communed with God, they would know that Jesus was from God. All of the miracles, everything that he taught, he continually told them, don't. Don't accept me just for me. Look at what I do. Look at the works that I do. How many of you have seen a man turn a two-piece and a biscuit into a a banquet for everybody? How many of you have seen a man cause a man to rise from the dead just by speaking? How many of you have seen that? Anybody? So if a person does that, that's going to cause you to take notice, right? There's something different about this person. What's going on here? Uh, only God has that power. And so Jesus continually pointed to the works that he did and what he taught, but the religious leaders couldn't accept it because they were in darkness. They didn't know the Father. Point number three, those who are in darkness have no fellowship with God. Jesus reveals that the reason that the Pharisees don't accept his testimony is because they don't know God and have fellowship with Him. You see, when 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 the light when the light comes on, it reveals that we really don't know God, right? Because we think because we're religious. Oh, I have my own personal relationship with God. Me and God got an understanding, right? I I, I give to the poor. I tie to my church. I pray three times a day. Man, me and God tight. You. Flip over to the Old Testament, you'll see that God can't stand empty religion. He can't stand when you sing empty songs. You sing, "I give myself away," but in your heart, you like, "I can't wait to go turn up," or "I can't wait to give myself to this guy, this girl." Jesus, I love you. I hate this girl sitting next to me. Ooh, I wish she wouldn't have sat next to me. She make me sick. You see, we think we're hiding our darkness in our heart, but God sees it all. When you come in here and you put on this act and you put on this show like you love him and you sing songs and you come to Bible study like twice a month, God knows the truth. God knows the truth. You can't hide from him. You can't hide from him. He knows what's in your heart. And he exposed the heart of the Pharisees because they said, who is your father? Man, if you knew God, you would know who he was. God has no darkness. First John 1 and 5 tells us this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. There's no darkness in God. So just because you have religion, just because you are moral or spiritual, don't mean you have a connection with God. Because the only way to get to God is through Jesus Christ. And the only way to have Jesus Christ is to deny yourself, to pick up your cross and to follow him. And if you haven't done those things, you don't know God. You know a God that you created in your own image. Yeah, we we created we create God in our own image. Well, the Bible says that God abhors homosexuality, that God abhors this sin and that sin. Well, not my God. My God loves everybody. That's because your God doesn't exist. That's because you made up your own God. See, if you knew the true and living God, you wouldn't know that those things disgust him. You would know how much hatred he has for sin. You would know how much hatred he has for divorce. You would know how much hatred he has for the things that we try to hide, that we try to cover up with our religion, that we try to hide with raising, lifting up our arms in the sanctuary. Oh, God, I love you. But I still love Tyrone, though, even though he ain't put a ring on it. God knows. We can't hide from God. There's no darkness in God. He knows what's in our hearts. And the awesome thing is that he knows, but he still offers a branch of love through Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing that God knows the things that you're hiding from everybody else? But he still, the Bible says, while we were yet his enemies, Christ died for us. We were his enemies, guys, and he died for us. How many of you would die for your enemies? Some of us won't even even inconvenience ourselves for our own family members. But he died for his enemies. Why wouldn't you want to serve a God like that? God does not associate with darkness. So if you live in a trife life, and you claim that you have your own connection with God, or I'm religious, God don't associate with that. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Light and darkness can't get along. When you turn on the lights, what happens? The darkness goes away, right? And so if you're trying to live a double-minded life, You're not fooling anyone but yourself. God is not fooled. Either you're all the way in or you're not. If you got one foot in the church, but the rest of you hanging outside the door, you have no fellowship with the Lord. No fellowship with the Lord. God, you you don't know God. Light has no fellowship with darkness. So when the light comes in, when you sit under the preaching of the gospel, when God when you reopen your bible and God exposes your heart, don't be like our ancestors and go try to hide in the bush and cover yourself up with leaves. What are leaves? Donating good works, education, I did my chores Church, Bible study twice this month, so I'm good. We try to cover ourselves up with those leaves, but God isn't food. God can see through the leaves. Step into the light and allow yourself to be cleansed by the blood that was shed for you. The fountain still runs. The fountain of his blood. That sprung forth from Calvary's cross is still able to cleanse you. There's no dirt that it can't get out. You know, people say that Tide is the best cleaner, but I don't know. You ain't tried the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is able to clean you from the dirtiest filth. Whatever your background, whatever your struggles, whatever your sins, the blood of Jesus can cleanse you, but you got to be sold out. Ain't no half-stepping with Jesus. Matter of fact, see, modern-day evangelists, they they, they try to put all these caveats out there to get people to come to the altar. That ain't Jesus. Jesus told that man, look, if you want to follow me, go give away everything you have. He ran away crying because he was in love with his money. And it's not that Jesus wanted him to be broke. It's not that Jesus didn't care about him taking care of himself. Jesus could see his heart, and he knew that he loved money. You can't serve God in money. So, look, you got to get rid of that, brother, if you want to follow me. Another man tries to follow him. He said, you know, Jesus, look, my great uncle about to die. He got me in his will. I'm about to be set, Jesus. And when that happened, then I'll get with you. Jesus kept on. You don't have stepping with Jesus either you're all the way in or you're not you have to deny yourself that means you give up ownership of yourself to him because he's the Lord you have to pick up your cross that means that you go through things go through, put yourself through things that you don't have to why do I have to go out into these dangerous streets and preach the gospel because the Bible tells us to if No preacher is sent. How can they hear? And it's not that God needs us. If God wanted to, he could paint the sky with everything he wanted to say. He spoke this world into existence. He can do whatever he wants. But God has chosen to use us as his vessels to get the gospel out. And so we have to carry that cross proudly. We have to bear it. And no, it's not easy. No, it's not fun. I know that that prophet said that if you follow Jesus, he'll pay all your bills, give you a husband that you wanted, and give you that brand new car and all these different things. No, if you follow Jesus, you're carrying a cross. That means you're going to be inconvenienced. That means that you're going to have to sacrifice something. That means that you're going to have to give up those things that you try to cling to. The Bible says to lay aside every sin, every weight, I'm sorry. And the sin that besets you, all those weights that we put on our back because we want to prove ourselves to somebody, we want to make a name for ourselves in this world. How about we make a name for Christ in this world? If you want to follow Christ, that's your mission, not to make a name for yourself, but to make his name great. And that's going to come with suffering. So as I close, we've talked about what darkness is, how it affects us and who delivers us from this oppression. What are the practical implications of this sermon? One, we need to be delivered from sin. The Bible says that the soul that sins shall surely die. We're on death row. When we're born into this world, we're born on death row because we're sinners. And the soul that sins will surely die. We need Jesus. Jesus is the only one two. Jesus is the only one who can deliver us from sin. It's not religion, it's not being moral, it's not being spiritual, It's not crossing all your T's and dotting all your eyes. It's Jesus. We put on His righteousness because God ain't accepting anything else. We must deny ourselves and pick up our crosses in order to follow Jesus. We have to be prepared to suffer. Jesus says, if the master suffers, why wouldn't the disciple expect to suffer as well? Jesus suffered, but we want to come rolling through in Lamborghinis and waking up in Bugattis, right? We want to wake up in mansions and all of this stuff, but no, that's not the life we are called to. Does that mean that we're all going to be broke and poor and walking around sad? No. But that means that you are going to have to sacrifice things. Sacrifice time. Sacrifice your favorite TV show to get on your knees and pray and seek the Lord. Sacrifice that little lunch money you had to bless whoever the Lord is directing you to bless. Giving of your time, your talents, and your treasures. And four... We can live an abundant life because we have the light of the world and we can see. What is the abundant life? Being able to see, having the light on, seeing things for what they really are. So many people are searching. And filling throughout the dark with these different religions and different fads and different spiritualisms and different leaders and different prophets and different liars and all of these things that's out there. People trying to grab a hold to because they're in darkness and they can't find their way out. So they say, hey, I got this on the road with it. But they don't understand that they're on the broad way heading to perdition, heading to destruction. And we have the light of the world. The Bible says that no one covers a light set on a hill with a bushel, right? No one goes up to a lighthouse and blacks out all the windows because they need the light to see their way in. And so you're called to be a lighthouse. You're called to be a light set on a hill. Don't cover it up with shame. Don't cover it up with the things that you don't want to give up. Don't cover it up because it's uncomfortable to you to be a light. Light draws moths, right? So when you stand out as a light, you're going to draw some things that's going to make you uncomfortable. Satan's going to come against you because you're part of the kingdom of light now. Be the light, follow the light, and you'll have the light of life. Amen. 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 Let us pray.